Before we begin, a content warning. This story contains mentions of violence and death. Greetings, family, friends, and visitors. Greetings to you and all of the elevated and benevolent ancestors that you bring with you. Whoever and whatever ushered you into this space, we give thanks to. Um, We are so grateful that you chose to be here with us today. That's Jashana Wally, last year's Feminist in Residence at Northwestern's Women's Center. From September 2021 to June, she facilitated Earthseed, her Black family archiving project with support from the Women's Center. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Yiming Fu. This is Defining Safe, a podcast looking at the intersection of identity and student life at NU and in the Evanston area. In this episode, we're taking a look at Jashana's Earthseed project and how, for many people with marginalized identities in the U.S., confronting family histories is both healing and powerful. Jashana identifies as a Black queer feminist, healer in the making, daughter, lover, partner, friend, sister, niece, granddaughter, and divine being. She calls me from her porch in the south side of Chicago, one of her favorite places to be. I was born in North Carolina, but I do, I wouldn't say that that's a home for me. I'm in the process of creating home, um, as far as like a connection to a land, a particular piece of land. But my home has always been my mom and my sister and my grandmother's house. And more recently, my chosen family. Jashana is still figuring out what creating a home looks like and feels like to her. I haven't felt at home in a place in a very long time. Um, It looks like creating a sanctuary with my partner. It really looks like investing time and effort in not just like my physical house or apartment, but the community that I'm a part of. Part of breaking away capitalism is really the practice of creating a home for me because I can create a relationship to a place that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm producing. Part of the family that Jashana is building is the Earthseed cohort. 13 participants across different time zones and ages came together monthly for workshops, including genome mapping, ancestral meditating, and talking with therapists about intergenerational trauma. Jashana said her Earthseed project was inspired by Afrofuturist writer Octavia Butler's Parable of the Sower, the main character in the book has a series of visions called the Earthseed Verses on how to move through a world that's breaking down politically, socially, and emotionally. Jashana said the book opens her world's view. I just started to make changes in my life. I just started to decide that I wanted to be more um, informed. Like, how can I really stand up and, and prepare the communities that I'm intimately a part of for what's happening, for what's to come? And in this case, this community were like my chosen family and my biological family. And I just started to shift my focus on, okay, how do we, you know, prepare for conflict? How do we um, start archiving our stories? How do we 
deepen our relationships so that we can be a resource for each other as we are preparing for the breakdown of society as we know it. I talked with Tashana the day the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. She said she immediately thought of her grandmother, who did not have abortion as a legal option when she had her first child. So how did she survive that moment? What choices did she have to make? What resiliency practices does she have to tap into? There are people within our lives who have lived in different worlds and experienced the same type of humble. For me, I don't think it's feasible or smart for me to try and go forward and build without their knowledge. And in order to gain that knowledge, it requires work around healing. It requires work around forgiveness. It requires work around boundary setting. It requires like active work on how to listen. It requires patience. And this patience and care could be revolutionary. There's information for us to gather, particularly as Black folks, particularly as like marginalized communities. There's so much magic and information for us to gather on how to survive and create, survive worlds of chaos and create new ones. Jashana brought her work to NU last year. Jashana's project is brilliant. I think that Jashana is brilliant and compassionate and that she has a real vision around healing that sits right at this intersection of what is like artistic, poetic, activist, intellectual. That's Sarah Brown, the director of the university's Women's Center. Sarah described the goal of the Women's Center's Feminist in Residence program with the concept coined by British writer Virginia Woolf, giving inspiring individuals a room of one's own to do their work. While the center receives many applications, Sarah said Jashana was a clear standout. She has so much faith in other people. She has, like, she goes into this cohort experience without anyone in it yet. And it's like, I know that there are these brilliant, beautiful people who will do amazing work if I give them space for it. And she's right. And she brings that out of people. And I think that some of the most, to use that word again, the most brilliant people, that's what they do. They find what's excellent about others. Um, and Jashana's very good at that. One of the participants is Jaquela Brown, a data manager living in Atlanta and Jashana's sister on her maternal side. Jaquela wanted to address what she called the elephant in the room in her family's history. The thing that I'm referencing is the fact that our maternal grandmother's father murdered her mother um, and then got the gas chambers as a result. There is just like a lot of layering there, right, from the beginning that calls for a lot of hard conversations, people not ready to have conversations about it. And also that being a definite historical trauma point, but that not being the only trauma point. Jaquela's search for answers began with a deep dive on Ancestry.com. I for so long thought, you know, I would never know. And then just reading everything and having the information like from Ancestry.com, the actual articles, pictures of actual, you know, print of what they said and pictures. The only picture that I have of my great-grandfather is actually a picture of him on his last day of living going to the gas chambers. So it's just like being able to sit with the idea of Ancestry.com holds more information about my family than my family holds. It was hard for me. The project also involved talking to elders. 
a lot of emotion is tied to memory. Yeah. Um, and so people aren't always ready to face those emotions that are tied to those memories. That's Yolande Clark-Jackson, a Florida-based artist and creative writer who explores Black family histories. She was also a part of the first Earthseed cohort. Yolande said family archiving projects are especially powerful for communities of color because their stories have historically been erased. Because our history has been buried, um, taken from us, our language, our original language was not allowed to be spoken because we often don't get the credit for what we've contributed to the wealth of the country. Sharing and being able to tell our stories is a critical piece of reclaiming the power in our ancestry and of healing ourselves. She interviewed her mother multiple times about her sharecropping past, as well as the stories of her grandmother and great-grandmother. The conversations took place by phone across many months, and it wasn't always easy. Whereas with my aunt, it was like a water faucet that I couldn't turn off. (laughs) My mother was the water pump that was like, you know, I'm pumping for hours trying to get some water out. A lot of the time, Yolande says her mother tended to avoid some of the topics or didn't understand what the project was since there wasn't a clear end goal at the time. I do think there was some feeling of protection that even though she trusts me and she loves me, just, yeah, I just think that the emotions tied to those memories for her, she felt the need to protect. A large takeaway for those looking to talk to elders in their own family, patience is key. One of the first things we did was you read this book um, by Zrel Neil Hurston, where um, she interviews one of the oldest living people who survived the slave trade. He was a child when he came to America. And so basically she keeps all of the language in his dialect. But it, in the book, it teaches you kind of that you have to be patient when you're dealing with elders. You have to like come back lots of times and you're only going to get fragments, you know, just kind of learning like to mitigate your expectations about how this process is going to go. And I felt that was critical at the beginning to have that book. But Yolande said the patience paid off and Jaquela said so too. This project uh, transparently made me realize how much I do need to lean into the elders in my family more and spend more time with them and be more appreciative of the time that I do spend with them and record things and ask questions and, you know, make sure that things are in records and makes me want to go to see my grandmother and get all her recipes written down, you know? Yulan and Jaquela both hope to expand on their final projects from the Earthseed cohort and continue exploring their family histories. Lan hopes to continue digging into the role cotton played in her family's sharecropping past, and Jaquela hopes to collect soil and mason jars to represent the combination of earth that makes up who we are. And the elephants in the room? They need to be addressed to move forward, Jaquela said. I do believe that it's important for us to continue on the lineage of our ancestors and to honor them the best way that we can, the best way that we know how, and to be open involving that knowledge, right? Because we don't have all the answers. Sadly, those answers have been stripped away from us in in many ways. So the only way that we can sustain ourselves and sustain that and sustain the stories that we have within our families are to be accountable ourselves and to teach the ones that come after us to be accountable as well. From the Daily Northwestern, I'm Yiming Fu. Thanks for listening to another episode of Defining Safe. This episode was reported and produced by me. 
The multimedia editor is Joanne Hayner. The managing editors are Audrey Hedelman, Charlotte Barnes, and myself. And the summer editor-in-chief is Isabel Funk. Make sure to subscribe to the Daily Northwesterns podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud to hear more episodes like this.